Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile AF, the podcast. This is episode 76 called Wes. Okay, so I'm so excited to have another guy on the show today. And today we're talking to Wes, who is also known as Detour to Dad, which is his Instagram handle. He's been out and about in the community for a couple of years now. And today he's going to tell us about what happened when he was diagnosed with severely low sperm count. So he felt like he got punched in the throat and he's going to talk about that and how it affected his relationship with his beautiful wife, Amanda, and how since she was checking out and not having any health problems, he ended up feeling pretty guilty and, as he says, emasculated. So it's such an interesting perspective to hear all of this from the male point of view and what it was like going through all of this. So he's going to tell us also about when they went through IVF and used donor sperm, how they chose the donor sperm, and what happened after that. So Wes, thank you so much for your honesty. And guys, without further ado, this is Wes's infertility story. Wes, thank you so much for doing this. I've been wanting to get you on my show for a while since we did the event at Fertility Rally about male factor infertility. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, you were so great on that call. It was really helpful. We had a lot of people on with their partners, which was which was really cool. So, you know, obviously this is part of the journey that doesn't get talked about too much. So before we get started with the chronology, I'd love to to find out why did you want to talk about this? Why was it so important for you to create your Instagram account and come out with this story from your point of view? Yeah, so I think from my perspective, it was, you know, when, when I was first uh, diagnosed with, you know, for me, it's 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 severely low sperm count, of course. Uh, oligospermia is a, the technical term for it. When I was first diagnosed with that and, and my wife and I were dealing with these issues, we found that there was really scarce information out there and, you know, true perspectives from a male coming from the male point of view. So for me, knowing how it was kind of, you know, you were lost on an island, you know, so to speak, and it was very difficult to find others that were on that island with you that really were comfortable sharing their perspective. So the ones that I did find, I just remember how monumentally helpful it was for me. So to me, I felt, you know, hey, why don't I share share my story? And, you know, if it only helps, you know, a handful along the way, at least it helps someone. So that was kind of the motivation for me was just putting into perspective how I felt and thinking how many others out there must feel that way because, from the male point of view, it's it's just a, a struggle to deal mm-hmm. with the emotions and everything that comes along with it. Completely. So when you started going through this and you were looking around for support and other people to talk to, were you coming up short? Like you just weren't finding anybody? Yeah, it was, you know, I found a few, you know, Alex, one of the ones that I fa- first that I found that you've, uh, you know, you we had on the, the uh, fertility rally event and yes. things like that. He, he was definitely, you know, the probably the biggest help to me. And we still, of course, share messages and exchange messages all the time with each other on Instagram. But, you know, finding him and really, but other than him, uh, it was it was a very 
small list of, of, of guys out there that are, that are really sharing their perspective. You know, there's, there were more medical related podcasts and whatnot that I could find that would go into detail of, you know, the, the whole, what to, what to expect and, and all of that from, from this particular uh, situation we found ourselves in, but really finding people that were really personal and upfront about it, it was very difficult to find. Right. And so have you always been somebody who's talked about your problems pretty openly and talked about your struggles? Oh God, no, no, no? <laughs> I've always been a, and that was what was so surprising about this. And I think it really, it, it took me a while before I've ac- actually made the leap, uh, because it is so, so different from my general persona that, you know, that I kind of, uh, I conduct myself as this, you know, kind of more of a, the tough guy, you know, kind of personality. That's how my, my dad always was around me. And I think, you know, that definitely rubbed off in to some degree. Uh, luckily my mom kind of helped me to, uh, uh, you know, to, to, to have a little bit of a softer side as well. So mm-hmm. it was really a struggle for me to, to actually make that leap because I was like, I, re- I really don't talk about this stuff that much, but at the same time, you know, one thing that also kind of, you know, had me jump off, you know, from the jumping off point is that, I, you know, I felt, well, this could probably be very therapeutic for me also, because, you know, at the time, you know, I was talking about it with, with Amanda, but at the same time, there were still some things that I was, I was kind of holding back and, and I felt that maybe doing this would, would actually help me in some therapeutic way. And it has. So, so that was definitely another uh, benefit or another, you know, kind of thing that, that kind of drove me to doing this. Yeah. Isn't it funny how that happens? Cause I think that most of us who are, you know, want to come out and share our stories, we are doing it to help other people initially, but then as you get into it, you're like, oh, I'm getting a lot out of this as well. And you almost feel kind of bad, like guilty because you're like, wait, I didn't really mean to benefit myself, but I'm getting so much out of this too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're right. It's, it's definitely a, a little bit of a conundrum there where you're, you're like, ah, should I feel this way or not? <laughs> right. Exactly. So you've got Detour to Dad, which is your Instagram account. I'll link to everything and post it all as well so people can follow you. And then are you still doing the podcast? I mean, yeah, I really, I really need to get some episodes in because, you know, with, with uh, COVID and yeah. everything that happened and of course, you know, us uh, preparing for the arrival of the little one, you know, that, that right. definitely has, has kind of consumed my life. But I really feel bad because I'm like, man, I, you know, I really want to, you know, you know, share more of our story because there's been so totally. much that's happened since then, you know? Right. Uh, so yeah, you know, I'm still doing it, you know, and I'm definitely going to keep it up there and, and whatnot, but I've right. been really bad about doing new episodes. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, that's okay. <laughs> you can still catch up. So, okay. Spoiler alert. You guys are 33 weeks pregnant. You yeah, we are. I guess I just, I, I ruined the suspense of that one. Yeah, you really did. <laughs> That's okay. So, okay. Let's start at the beginning. When did you and Amanda meet and did you guys talk about building a family in the early days or were you just kind of dating and not worrying about that or how did it shake out for you guys? Yeah, so I met I met Amanda playing uh, softball in um it would have been June of 2012. Mm-hmm. And when we met, you know, I, I was definitely rough around the edges to say say the least. You know, I had been I think I've been burned by some relationships, uh, plus probably not acted so, you know, uh, nice in, in, in other relationships myself. So there was definitely Wait, some blame some, on both sides. <laughs> let's hear some dirt. What did you do? You're a bad boy. Uh, <laughs> I was just, yeah, I was just kind of a rounder, you know, I was, I was, you know, I was out to have a good time and, yeah. and you know, and it was like, I'm, 
I knew I hadn't yet met the the right person. It was kind of like, but you were in these situations where I'm sure, you know, just like anyone you've had relationships where it's like, why am I even in this? You know? So, uh, you know, when we met, I was kind of, you know, riding the rails of that. And, uh, but it was, it was something immediately about, uh, Amanda that just, just struck me first and foremost, you know, when we were playing softball, we, we would play against each other in a social league and our, our team that we had, we had a horrible time getting women to show up for our team. Mm-hmm. Nobody wanted to show up. So what I would do is since they were very lenient on the, on the roster and whatnot, I would just, you know, I was like, Hey, why don't you play with us? And so she would, she was always down for it. She's always been somebody that's very athletic. And so, you know, she played with us. And then I think it was at the time we, we met, I, I had a girlfriend at the time and this is one of those relationships where it was going nowhere. So probably about the third or fourth time that she played with us, uh, and I remember it vividly. We were like in the championship for the so, you know, quote unquote championship for the social league. Mm-hmm. Um, it's and, a big deal. Don't say oh, yeah, social. Yeah, yeah, and it was so lenient that she was able to play with us even on the championship after playing earlier that day, which is funny after her team was out of it. So uh, you know, she played with us. We won the championship, and then we went for drinks later on and. Uh, it was like a bunch of us and, you know, she actually gave me her number and she made the first move and I had just broken up with this, with this other, this other girl. So I wasn't even going to do anything about it at that time, but, you know, she made the move and, and, you know, kind of the rest is history. But Mm -hmm. at the time, you know, I definitely had some, some moments where I had to, you know, learn that this, this was, this was something that was real and I needed to really shape up. So, you know, it took me a little while for that. So it took us, you know, I think we moved in together probably a year and a half after that. So, and then like, I think three years after that, after we met, uh, was when we moved down here to where we currently are in South Carolina. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, at the time I didn't even say where we actually met, but we were in Arlington, Virginia, just outside of DC. Gotcha. Um, so if you're familiar with that area, it's very fast paced. Uh, you know, the traffic's awful. So we really knew we needed a change of pace. So that was when we moved down here in 2015, you know, found us a little rental, a nice little townhouse, you know, did that for a year. And then after a year, we, we ended up buying our house that we're currently in and we, we got married shortly after. So we bought our house in March. You know, it seems like uh, the more I look back on our, you know, journey together from, from the beginning, Mm -hmm. we like to do crazy things all at once. So like we bought our house in March, 2016, we barely had gotten moved in. Then we got married in May, 2016. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've, I've found that, it, you know, it seems to be our MO to do everything at once, once right. something happens. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so you probably jumped into the, having the kids portion too, then if, if that tracks with how you've been going. So yeah. Far. Yeah. So we, we got married and, you know, it, it was probably a little bit before or right around the marriage, uh, you know, we got married that Amanda went off birth control. So we weren't going to be, you know, intensely pursuing it, but we weren't going to be holding back. Right. Either, like you're right? not, not trying. Yes, yes, exactly. So we went, you know, we, we did that for almost a year until probably about, uh, it would have been around the April, April, 2017 timeframe. 
that unfortunately we found out that my mom was uh, diagnosed with uh, pancreatic cancer. Mm. So that threw us our first curveball in this, this process. Yeah, I'm sorry and, to that. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, with her, um, her diagnosis and her particular form of pancreatic cancer, there's not many that are treatable, but you know, we were kind of holding out hope and we kind of, you know, I was kind of taking her to, uh, I took her up to Johns Hopkins for a couple of visits and, you know, so it was, you know, we weren't able to get any kind of real true, you know, treatment for pancreatic cancer that was going to make a, you know, a real dramatic difference. So unfortunately yeah. we lost her in uh, November so uh, of sorry, 2017. Liz. So, so yeah, that, that definitely mm. threw, threw us for a loop. Yeah. And, you know, there was, there was no real thought of pursuing the family for, for quite some time, even after that. Um, and then, you know, I think, you know, it was a few months later. So it was sometime in early, I think 2018 that we picked back up with, with trying to, um, to start a family. And, and we, you know, Amanda was the first one that was really saying things about it. I was, I was kind of naive and dumb to the fact. And I thought, ah, it's just taking longer than, you know, than it, it normally does. And, sure. uh, you know, it's a miracle that the process happens anyway. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, yeah. So we're like, hey, you know, it's, it's going to be fine. But, you know, she kept pushing at me and pushing at me. And, and I, fi- I soon realized that what she was requesting was, was really, you know, uh, it made a lot of sense. We really should go get checked out, get some, you know, so it's, you know, clear head and, and, yeah. and get a, you know, clear our conscience that it's not something that's, that's an underlying issue that we're going to have to treat medically. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went, you know, we, again, when we do something, we go full bore, we went straight to, uh, an RE. So we went straight to our fertility doctor mm-hmm. who, who is still our fertility, fertility doctor to this day, who is just excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we go, we go for a battery of tests. Well, for me, it's not a battery of tests, you know, it's just, you know, do the, the thing in the cup and, right, and that's exactly. it. Yeah, yeah. Can so, I ask you, sorry, before we move on, how did you find this RE? Was it somebody that friends had recommended or just to give people who are listening, you know, some tips yeah. on how to find one? That's a very good question. And my wife found him. There's not many in our area. So I think we really just lucked out that we have a great clinic Uh, here in Charleston. And and yeah, I think it was just a Google search. She found that he was, he was very well regarded and, you know, had really great reviews. So we went straight to him. He has two or three other partners with him and we've, we've had experiences with all of them and we can't say enough about all of them. They, they've been exceptional. So, yeah. So, so that was, you know, that was comforting because, you know, as you know, when you go into this process, oh God, if you have just some stone cold doctor that really has bad bits at manner, yeah. that's really going to make this process even worse. Absolutely. Uh, I hear from people all the time that, you know, they're like, I felt like a number. I never even met the doctor, you know, stuff like that. It's, it's so tough already when you're going through something like this, that when you can't get the good medical care, it just piles on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, we went for that first visit yep. and you know, that's when Amanda had all the tests that she needed to run. They were, they were saying, you know, on the surface, we have a couple of things we're going to do, but you look, you know, everything looks perfect. So, you know, they got back my uh, sperm analysis and, and unfortunately my, you know, I think the, the healthy, uh, the low end of the healthy spectrum for uh, a sperm analysis is 15 million. I think it's 15 million uh, sperm. Mm-hmm. My sample had, I think that particular one had just under 500,000. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I had just a fraction of what I really should have. So, right. you know, our doctor knew right away what it was. And so he gave us the options. And, and the first option he presented, he said, Hey, why don't you, why don't you go to see a urologist? And he recommended a guy. Uh, that's probably the only thing that looking back that he's done that I haven't agreed with, because now looking back, that urologist was kind of a kook. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> he, he wasn't the greatest, but, yeah. uh, Anyway, so we went to the urologist because he said, you know, hey, there are some things they can do to try to maybe tweak some things. And let's see what the urologist says about your uh, your sperm count. Mm-hmm. So the urologist then recommended Clomid. So I went on Clomid for, I think, three or four months. Okay, hold um, on. I have never heard of a, a guy going on Clomid. You never heard it? No. Uh, if, if you research it, there are very kind of edge cases where they're doing it. And and I can't explain to you the 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 science has escaped me, but there's there's definitely an explanation for why it can boost. Okay, um, interesting. Okay, but you, when you look at the results, I kind of went into that not being very optimistic about it because when you look at the tests that, that have been done in the in the studies, it's not like it's a dramatic improvement. If I yeah. just needed just a little bit, it, it might have helped, but mm. you know, it turns out that that really didn't do what we needed you know, in the long run. So we, I think that took us into, this was now late 2018. And, you know, at that time we, we just decided, you know, we went back to, you know, our doctor and, and he said, well, you know, our only other option is IVF because with your low sperm count, you know, mixing, you know, doing the IUI approach where you just try to put the sperm where they need to be it's not going to be advantageous to you because of your low sperm quality anyway. Mm, okay. um, so we're, we're going to have to go straight to IVF. And, okay. And Hold up one second, Wes. Can I ask yeah. you just like real talk, when you first got that, those test results with the low sperm count, how did that make you feel? So when I, oh, when I first got that, yeah, that was uh, definitely the, probably the big, well, well, I wouldn't say the biggest blow, but one of the biggest blows, I say top three that we've had in this process is just hearing those results. It was really right. like somebody had like, like punched me in the throat, sure. <laughs> it's like, you know, and, and I remember that car ride, you know, just vividly on the way home. Uh, my wife and I were just so, it, it was a lot of anger. And, you know, we, we were just, we, we were actually name dropping people where we're like, this person didn't even want a child and they had a baby and, you know, or this person had a child and they had to, you know, their parents had to take care of it. Right. So totally. You go through all the people that are like unfit parents and you're like, how do they get a baby? And we don't, it's not fair. It's like, we have that too. You know, we're financially stable. We're yep. we're very responsible. Why is this is this happening? You know, totally. I remember thinking that too, and I actually had to say that to my therapist at one point because I was like, "I'm a good person. Like, why is this happening to me? Like, I'm like kind to people. I recycle. Like, I you know." And she was like, and she kind of set me straight and was just like, "You know what? You know, bad things happen to good people, and good things happen to bad people." And I was like, "Oh." Okay. (laughs) Right. Right. You know, but you think if you do all the things and you do them all right, that you're going to have success. And with infertility, it just does not happen that way. Nope. Nope. It's a, it's a roll of the dice. You don't know what you're going to get. Yeah. Yeah. So, So, okay. Well, thank you for sharing that with me. But, you know, were you feeling like, 
less of a, of a man or, you know, you have guys want to be the provider. Like, did you feel guilt or uh, I'd love to dig a little bit more into that. Yeah. It, it, you, yeah. I ran really the, the game of emotions, you know, cause uh, I, I felt very emasculated one mm-hmm. because, you know, and, and it's, it's really the only thing that, I mean, sh- sure. When the, when you have the baby, the, you know, the male, you know, side of it, you know, provides that, you know, fatherly, touch you know to the role of parenting but as far as the part of conception and and carrying the child and everything we really do so little in this process mm-hmm. so knowing that my only contribution was now you know might be taken away uh, because it's you know it, it really set us back in terms of our, our odds uh, was was really uh, definitely it definitely killed me so, mm-hmm. you know, I'm very proud. You know, I feel my, I find myself very prideful, and it was it was a very difficult pill to swallow for sure. And I re- I really did, you know, as you said, you know, I really did feel guilty because here's my wife that everything checks out perfectly. Mm-hmm. She gets an A plus scorecard, and you know, when you do the research and you look at the infertility space, you're like, wow, there's there's so many women out here that are having issues. But in our particular case, it's me that's having the issue. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, why couldn't have things have aligned? Because she is so healthy in terms of her reproductive health, yet I'm, you know, kind of put setting us back. So you definitely yeah. run through that that guilt. It's a guilt trip, that's for sure. So completely. And what about in terms of like telling family members or friends, like, is that something that was hard to discuss or did you keep it to yourself? I mean, not that you're going to yeah. go to the bar and like blast right, it out to like, right. <laughs> but yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, it, it was difficult at first, you know, for me, you know, I definitely let my core group of friends know I have like, you know, probably, probably three to five friends that are, are really, I'm really close with. So uh, yeah, I let them know, you know, I let my dad know, you know, it was just him, of course, because mm-hmm. you know, we had already lost mom. Uh, I let him know, even though I probably shouldn't have, because he's a he's kind of a, a big mouth. So I, I think he he told several people back home without even knowing it. Mm. Um, you know, he's just that kind of person where it's like, well, you know, Wes is dealing with this, uh, right? But uh, yeah, so so yeah, and I think my you know I told my brother and and, and my sister and maybe a couple of others, but yeah, it was definitely, definitely, I kept it reserved at first to those kind of core uh, individuals. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Okay. So thank you for diving into all that. I really appreciate it. I know it's not easy for, for guys to talk about, but I really do appreciate it. So, all right. When you guys got back on, you know, so now they're saying IVF. So tell me what happened from that point on. Right. So we got the the news that IVF was going to be our, our protocol going forward. Uh, we, we decided, Hey, let's, uh, let's take a break. So I think we went on, that's when we went on a trip to, uh, we went to Canada. We did something just to get our mind off of things. Uh, and it really was, it was, it was a great time to do it. Uh, we had a great time. It, it, it helped us to kind of clear, clear things out and, and get ready for this. Yep. Um, so, you know, early in 2019, we had our uh, our first egg retrieval and and, and fertilization and, and transfer, and uh, right out of the gate, the first transfer using my sperm and and of course uh, uh, Amanda's eggs was successful. So mm-hmm. we were like, "Wow!" So we're finally catching a break, mm-hmm. and and this is all working out. So you know, we got to the point where you know, at our clinic, they call it gra- graduating. 
Uh, I think you get yep. past the eighth or ninth week. And oh, then wow. Okay. You, yeah. To your OB. And, and so we had our last ultrasound, I think the week before then went to the OB. Now this, this OB was a new, uh, OB my wife had never been to, uh, for anything, for any of her checkups or, or anything for that matter. So, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> just to paint the picture, I really mm-hmm. felt so bad for this doctor. So we go in for the ultrasound and unfortunately she can't find a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. So the first news that she had to give my wife was, uh, that, you know, she couldn't find a heartbeat. So oh my gosh, that, that was the biggest blow, uh, that we've had, uh, in this process was, yes. was, losing that baby. And I, and to be honest with you, I was, I was tore up, torn up to be, to begin with. I was, I was definitely the one that was breaking down, believe it or not, uh, in the office. And my wife was, was very stoic and didn't really, it was like, she was confused. Like, you know, well, it was just, it was, this was just working. Like, you know, we were just at our, so her first reaction was anger toward the doctor. And, you know, I, I immediately took so much um, you know, was, was very, I felt very sorry for the doctor. So I've, you know, kind of steered her away from that. But as soon as she got home, she broke down and that was the hardest thing to watch. Right. Uh, yeah. Cause and it sounds like had, it was a complete blow. Like you guys weren't expecting yeah. that, right? It was like, Oh, we've already no. gone through all the hard stuff and now we're pregnant, smooth sailing from here on out. And then boom. Right. Yeah. We weren't, so we weren't, yeah, we weren't like thinking that was going to happen at all. Of course, yep. no one is going into that, right? So, you know, she had to have the uh, a DNC, and that's something I hope I never have to watch her uh, go through again. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that that moment after having that done uh, in the in the office there was was probably her lowest point. And you know, I I'm a, a protector, and I you know I hate to see her that way. And that oh man, that was that was the worst part of this whole process was mm-hmm. was watching that. But you know, to her credit, she is a fighter, and her and she's told people this before. She thought if I don't continue on this process, like pretty much immediately as soon as I can, then I might not ever uh, do this again. Yeah, um, that makes sense. You know, so she, you know, we were right back at it. Uh, I can't recall, you know, how long we had to wait for that next transfer, but, uh, we went through that transfer, uh, and then we went through another transfer. So that was our third transfer. And unfortunately those were the only three embryos we got out of that first round, uh, with my sperm. So, you know, that then led us to the next step. And that was, you know, Hey, let's see what else we can do to try to boost my, uh, not really boost, but see how they can get a better quality sample right. uh, from me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the next step that uh, was suggested to me, and there was a urologist that was working, this was a new urologist, which I like much better. He's now my urologist. <laughs> that was uh, he, he had partnered up with our clinic. And so he was working in the office there and he was doing sper- sperm aspiration procedures right there out of the office. Mm -hmm. So that was the next thing. And he told me, you know, he said, we're going to do this and we'll do, you know, the, the usual sperm aspiration procedure. But if I'm not able to get a good sample, then I'll make an incision and I'll go in there and take a biopsy and see what kind of sample I can get from that perspective. So I was like, sure, I'm willing to do whatever, whatever we think could potentially, and they thought they could get 
a better sample uh, from that process. Mm-hmm. So that was it. We were set to move forward with that. So what would happen is on, on that particular round is the day before Amanda would have her egg retrieval, they would do the sperm aspiration procedure on me. And then they would have those sperm frozen and then ready to go for the next day for the retrieval. Okay. And that's, that's kind of how that process would work. So I went in and had that procedure. Lo and behold, he did have to, he couldn't get a very good uh, sample from uh, just the trying to draw it with the needle. So he he actually did make the incision and went to get the biopsy and everything. And so mm-hmm. we go in the next day. So, you know, I've already been cut open down there. Was so it painful? You, <laughs> well, yes. Uh, it was, um, I was, it was a weird God, yeah, it wasn't so much the cut, the incision. It just felt like a deep pain, uh, like ache. And it was, oh, I had that for days. Yeah. Uh, it just, I could not like walking. I had to walk so gingerly. I looked like an 85-year-old man that, you know, could barely even get around. So I had to actually mm-hmm. drive Amanda in for the retrieval. Yeah. Uh, of course. So here I am like, I'm like, Oh, you go ahead. You go on ahead. You know, just like a, you know, old grandfather that's yeah. making his way into. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but, but yeah, so we're gingerly walking in. So her, her retrieval goes great. Uh, I can't remember the count, but we had, uh, I think just as many eggs retrieved uh, for that round. Uh, so that was great. Again, she's a plus, but you know, there's, there's Wes, you know, he, his, his contributions usually, you know, a little, little skeptical. Uh, so yeah. So they tell me right after the retrieval that I'm sorry, but the sample we got really wasn't even, it, it was about as good as they already had, you know, in frozen. Oh, wow. Experiment they have for me. So, you know, I look back on it with, you know, looking at it in a couple ways, one way I'm a little frustrated because I'm like, wait a minute, you like, you cut me open. Yep. Like, this did nothing. Yep. And you know, on the other side, and, and it, it took Amanda kind of coercing me to think like this, but she's like, at least, you know, now, you know, you won't be thinking, you know, what if I'd have done this? Right. So, it does eliminate the what ifs and the you've tried kind of everything, but still they caught you open. <laughs> right. Exactly. So yeah, I was like, look I at this. It. Like I could barely walk. I look like a 95 year old man. Come on now. Yeah. 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 Uh, but uh, so anyway, so they, you know, they, they still left a little hope. They said, listen, you know, they're still in, they have to put some kind of solution on them because when they take them directly from the testicle, uh, you have to wake them up, so to speak, uh, mm-hmm. to see if they'll swim. So they're like, they're still in the solution. We'll know within like 30 minutes, uh, what kind of true sample we're going to have. So we had, uh, we had taken, you know, taken ourselves on down the road and I had stopped to get, uh, Amanda a prescription and, uh, you know, as I'm coming out of the grocery store or the pharmacy, I can hear that my Bluetooth is on in my, in my truck and Amanda's talking to someone. And sure enough, I open the door and, and hop in and, and it's our, our RE, and he's telling us the results. And unfortunately I was, you know, he said it really wasn't that great of a sample. So, uh, you know, he gave us the options. He said, we can continue to move forward with your sperm, see how that shakes out or we can go with uh, donor sperm. So leading up to this, the idea of donor sperm was something that, believe me, took a lot of coming around to. But, um, uh, you know, initially I was so against it. You know, uh, Amanda mentioned it to me and I said, no, no, we'll adopt before we do that. And 
and and I mentioned, you know, Alex earlier, his, you know, one of the podcasts that he was on uh, was was one of the ones that had me really start to think about this a little differently. Like, mm-hmm. you know, just because this isn't my genetic, you know, my genetics, I don't share genetics with this child. It will most certainly be my child if we if we pursue this route. Mm. So, you know, I had I, the gears were starting to go and, and I was definitely coming around to it. And it was something about that moment, you know, that I just got this moment of clarity, like, you know, I can't even explain. And it was like all these things just kind of came into into my thought process. And I just pictured Amanda going through this again, if we, you know, used my sperm. So, you know, immediately I was like, we're going to, we're going to go with a sperm donor. Wow. And, you know, and it was like, uh, I think it shocked Amanda and she was like, okay. So, you know, Dr. Schnorr uh, said, you know, Hey, uh, I completely agree. I think you're doing the, the best possible thing you can to, to put yourself in the, in the best position for success. So, you know, that was that. So we were going to yeah. go forward with using a donor. Yeah. Well, let's talk. I can't remember on the call. I was taking notes when we did our event that it was either you or Alex, and we should give a plug to his Instagram too. It's pursuing fatherhood. So he was, I can't remember you or him, but one of you said, you know, grieving the loss of your genetics and saying goodbye to your genetics. And I thought that yeah, was such I, a, I wish I could take credit for that, but I got that, that from him. him. Yeah, okay. definitely. So, but, but so if I said it, I just stole it from him. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you selflessly were like, I can't see Amanda going through this loss again. Right. So right. first of all, kudos for being such a good husband and for thinking that way. But tell me about your, the thought process of, you know, genetics are, your genetics are now going to be removed from the situation. How did that feel? And how did you like come to terms with it even more as you guys moved along in the process? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, putting it that way is the perfect way to put it the loss of your genetics. It's, it's a loss. It's, it's a mourning process, just like losing a family member or a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you really, you know, you come, you have to come to grips with the fact that, Hey, this is just not in the cards, you know, because from a very early age, men are kind of conditioned to, Oh, you're going to carry the bloodline. You know, I, I guess it comes from just these, the primitive way of thinking just, you know, eons ago where it's like, you know, oh, this son has to carry my, carry the bloodline, carry the name. So, you know, you think from that perspective and you're like, man, there's, you know, this, this child truly won't be carrying the bloodline along from my perspective. Right. Like you won't have my genetics, but you know, then you're kind of thinking, well, wait a minute, there's, there's other attributes and qualities that, child has besides their genetics, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, this child could essentially, you know, carry a lot of the traits and attributes that I have, you know, from physical characteristics to mannerisms to things like that, mm-hmm. uh, things that are learned through, you know, the development and growth of the of the child. So, you know, I started to think more from that perspective, like this child may not be part of my genetics, but this child will be 100% of me because the child is a hundred percent of Amanda, you know, it has a hundred percent of Amanda. Right. Right. Um, and, and that, that was the perspective that I was coming from was that the child is genetically part of her and due to the close bond and the relationship we have and, 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 and whatnot, that child would be, you know, just as close to me because of that. So, so that was kind of what I was, what I was, uh, 
what I had, I had come to the grips about through this process, but immediate, uh, you know, initially I was so hard headed about it. Um, so it definitely took, definitely took some, some time. And, and even after making that decision, because, you know, one thing I didn't mention about that decision that really kind of put us in the, under the gun was that, you know, recall that Amanda's eggs had just been retrieved. So they were just sitting there and we needed to make a decision quick because right. yeah, they had to get them on ice, you know, get them frozen. If, oh uh, you know, if we were going to do that. So, you know, I think that probably helped. It probably mm-hmm. didn't hurt. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, it definitely did, you know, led to a moment of clarity that really helped me to see the true situation here, the true value that using a donor would bring for our journey yeah. and what it could do for success. So, right. uh, you know, all those factors, it was, it was always like a, a combination of things at once that just, you know, really I opened my eyes. But after that, and even today, I mean, I still have times where, you know, there, there's definitely a little bit of a sad feeling where you're thinking back and you're like, man, you know, I wish it could have worked, you know, and then, you know, totally. I could have, could have potentially, you know, contributed to this, this pregnancy, you know, in terms of my genetics, but right. uh, you can't, you can't dwell on those things. It's, it's one of those things where you just have to, you, you, you take your time to mourn, you take your time to, to go through the motions and do what you need to do for you because everyone's going to handle this differently. Right. Um, But once you feel, you know, once you feel like you're ready to move forward, you need to move forward. That's that's the only way that you can get through this, this journey of infertility is, you know, you can't stay still because it'll consume you. So tell me about the process of choosing the donor. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's an interesting process. Uh, anyone that's ever gone through it, kudos, uh, you've gone through the the same thing. Uh, and I'm sure the same motions that, that we did, you know, I, I, I liken it to kind of a dating app, but for, <laughs> for genetic material, for your future. Child. Unquote, yeah, exactly. So you, you know, you go on there and, you know, some profiles will have adult pictures, some profiles won't, some donors will be anonymous. Some, some will you know, choose to be uh, contacted in the future if the child wants to. For us, uh, you know, I think I think we wanted someone that was anonymous. It wasn't that we wanted it. We do not have any plans of hiding it from the child. We just thought that might complicate things for the child if they they are able to to reach out. And then, you know, oh well, then which which who do I call my dad if I reach out to this person? And you know, what do I do? So uh, we felt it best to uh, to go for an anonymous donor. So uh, that's essentially what we did. We started focusing our search on anonymous donors. That was kind of out of the gate, what we wanted to do. You know, so we started looking at some of these anonymous donors and and the ones with, it's funny, the ones with adult pictures, I, I judged so much. And so I was like, well, I think maybe we should confine it to just ones with child pictures. Right. So uh, wait, let's <laughs> tell people that might not know. So some of them, they do provide adult photos, like you said, and yeah. some are just kind of baby photos. So you don't really right. see what they look like right. as an adult, which the whole thing is just, it's a it's, little bit bizarre, it's um, very bizarre, but I totally yeah. understand the judging thing. And it's funny. I was interviewing this woman, Ashley, who was had a, a sperm donor. She's a single mother by choice. And she was saying, you know, like some of them were like, he looks like Brad Pitt or, you know, they have a celebrity that they kind of compare them to. <laughs> yep, yep. And she was like, should I get the hot one? Like, why wouldn't I choose the hot one? <laughs> I'm going for like the best of every other part of his personality. I want the smartest and the healthiest. Like, why shouldn't I want the hottest? And she's like, I felt kind of guilty about it. But then I was like, if I'm paying for this sperm, like I'm going to choose the hot one. (laughs) 
Right. And right. I thought that was really eye-opening. Yeah. It seems like every one of them, they do that where they find some celebrity they look like. And I want to know whose job that is, like who's doing that. Because some of these, I mean, just from the, the child picture perspective, right. like they're, Eh, I don't know if that child could have grown up to become, you know, look to look like that. Because it's always some really like changed. hot movie star, right? They're never like right. like Gary Coleman or like something <laughs> weird. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, it's it's very interesting. So you go through the profile, you know, you you sign up for your subscriptions, uh, which anyone that's doing this, don't balk on that. Uh, that's definitely a very valuable thing because it gets you all the information you need for this process. And one of the things I was, uh, I've been thinking of is just, you know, how much you become, and I guess a way to put it is a student of the struggle, right? So like you really, when you, when you go into these, you know, the infertility world and you, you start on these journeys, you start like, at least I did. I mean, I, I feel like this is probably a common thing, but you just dive into the information. And you just want to know everything you can. And going through this process is, is no different. And in fact, even much more important because this is going to be the genetic material that you use to start your family. Right. Right. So, uh, we, we did the whole thing. We went through, uh, you know, countless interviews cause they do have interviews. Uh, we scoured through health records because they share those. We scoured through family history of health and, and just, you know, at first my wife had the, you know, she was, it was, it was really cute that she thought that she was going to find somebody to look just like me. And I think she was doing that to appease me because she saw how upset I was that, you know, we had to go down this road anyway, right. uh, that, that our hand was forced. But as we got in there and started doing that, uh, it became, you know, immediately apparent that is not going to happen. It's not, you know, it, it's just not something that's uh, realistic. Right. So, do you have a celebrity yeah. lookalike, Wes? <laughs> I don't know. I've I, I don't think I've ever been told that I look like a no? celebrity. Okay. But but anyway, so yeah. So we 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 started working through the process. I you know I I created a spreadsheet, which you know Alex. It's funny. You know we've we've kind of developed a bond, and he's just he's the same way. It seems he did the same thing. I think one way we differed in terms of our journey to find a donor is that he took like as long as you possibly can. For us, it was. It was kind of like it just it just happened. Like yeah. we we found. I think we got down to like a list of maybe five that we that we really liked, and we started digging in, and we found something about this one, and we were like, ah, no, nope, this one's got to go. It has there's some kind of genetic trait that we uh, were afraid could potentially react with Amanda's genetics based on what we know, and and so we'll we'll scratch we'll scratch that one off. So we got down to I think three and. You know, it's something that we that never struck us, but you know, the the donor that we actually chose, his child photo was in a baseball uniform. Oh, so it, it was just like perfect, you know, perfect, perfect thing for us because our foundation of our relationship was you know playing softball together. So you know, that's the one we went with, and yeah, so that was that. You basically on the you know break out your credit card. Sign, I think you have to sign some papers electronically and mm-hmm. there you go. And uh, I think they shipped them in like pretty much uh, Amazon prime speed. So yeah, exactly. like t- two days uh, at the, uh, at cool. the clinic. Science is so cool. <laughs> oh, I know. It's, I it's it. amazing. So yeah, this whole process has just amazed me. Yeah. What, what can be done? Yeah. Um, All right. So, so, so what happened next? So you've got your, you've got everything you need. 
Yep. So we got everything we need. So I think that was, yeah, that was around the Christmas season. I think uh, it was almost Christmas day, really. I think that we, that we purchased the, uh, uh, our donor sperm and we set out and did our, I think we did our uh, fertilization. I think they did that immediately, of course. Mm -hmm. And then transfer, we set for, I think January. So that would have been January of this year. So we, we did that transfer and, um, you know, well, I guess before I say that during the fertilization process, one thing that, uh, was kind of like, it was really cool. Cause it was an immediate justification to me that what we did was the right decision. You know, I told, I told you earlier, we had three embryos that came out of our fertilization process before I think we ended up with, oh gosh, something like 12, uh, embryos out of this one. Wow. And most of them are high quality. So uh, that was kind of like an immediate reflection back to that decision. Yes. And you could have a full baseball like, team. I was like, wow, okay. So yes, my sperm <laughs> seems to have been an issue. So oh man. <laughs> so so that was really good to get that because it really made, you know, kind of uh it wasn't that it was a weight on my shoulders, but you're still thinking, you're like, did we make the best decision? Mm-hmm. And uh that that was kind of the you know uh, immediate you know, just, just kind of, we got that clarification or that, that confirmation that what we did was the best thing. So, yeah, so we did the, we, everything was all well and good with fertilization. We had our embryos, we transferred the first and lo and behold, that, that embryo was successful. So, um, we, uh, we are now, uh, pregnant and, uh, 33 weeks pregnant. Yes. That's so awesome. So do you know the gender of the baby? We do. It is a boy. Um, okay. We got we, the names already picked out. Yes. Um, so he's monogrammed. Everything is monogrammed. So oh, the I child will never, the child will never, uh, you know, not know what his, uh, his initials are. Hey, hey again. Thank you guys so much for listening. I just wanted to remind you if you haven't already and you have two seconds, you can go to the Apple store and rate and review this podcast. It really helps with the algorithm and helps us get noticed. And then more people can hear these stories and feel less alone. So thanks again to Wes and Amanda, and I will talk to you guys soon.